And another thing I think we need to do is to learn to admit when we're wrong. Mm. I know that a lot of us... No, can't do it. (laughs) And so it's come to this. The Age of Insert Credit. I'm Alex Jeffy, and my favorite button on any video game controller is the Z trigger on the Nintendo 64. Oh, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I really do. Wow. It's placed fondness for it. My name's Frank Zafaldi, and because I'm first and I don't have time to think about this, my favorite button on a video game controller is the triggers on the Dreamcast controller, I think, are real good for Crazy Taxi. That's true. Oh, good old Crazy Taxi. Uh, my name is Tim Rogers, and my favorite video game button on a video game controller is... Uh, I guess I like the Y button on the Super Nintendo. Uh, the, uh, it's kind of hard to explain why. Fire a lot of guns with that button, Jim. Jerry? Oh, I'm Brandon Sheffield, and my favorite video game button probably Oh, I know is, what it is. Uh, I know, I know what it is. <laughs> Let's see well, it's a... Uh, it's- it's my favorite and least favorite button. It is the run button on the PC Engine controller. That's what I was going to say. I'm not kidding. Because it's the one that starts bonk. Yeah, that's right. I was going to say that. It's the bonk go button. But it's also the button that you can accidentally hit along with select to restart your game while you're in the middle of something feverish. Or Oh, yeah, I have done that. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. the button that is sometimes assigned just randomly some other assignment because they're like, we only got two buttons, we got to use one of these. Yeah, it's a it's it's a great button to just be like, what's this going to do this time? I also enjoy that um, when before I had a Turbo Graphics, when I saw pictures of the controller, you know, I was I was just I, I was an NES owner and that's it. And I was fascinated by the idea that this console had a dedicated button for making your character run instead of walk. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, I have so, a I have a revised answer, which is my favorite okay. button on a video game controller is that touchpad on the PlayStation Four, which <laughs> is also on the PlayStation Five, because I have a soft spot for lengthy, bloated, useless uh, things. There you go. That's right. it. Useless uh, trash that 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 the that nobody will let go of. That they're just going to keep having it. The end. Okay, here's how this show operates. I'm going to introduce a topic, and either after six minutes or by the time we reach a consensus, I move on to the next one. Then, after ten topics, we wrap it up with a lightning round. Are you all ready? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This one is for Frank to start with, but the rest of you can chime in. Okay. What the hell is wrong with video games? Oh, what's wrong with video games? They're too long, though. You know, like, it's... Oh, yeah. Right, like, you know, you get these games and... I don't know. Like you don't absorb them quick enough to like think about them and talk about them. It's it's not something that just kind of flushes through you and gives you time to reflect. It's just something that you have to live with for like 40 hours. And I don't know. I don't like that. It's a work week. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think there's games are too long period. And there's a lot of people out there who try to in good faith or not start this, are video games too long argument? Like maybe every other day, there's like this, there's like a viral thread on Twitter from people who have never seen this conversation before and feel like they're, they're obligated to chime in. And then a lot of people are like, uh, people, there's, there's a difference in lengths. There's meaningful length and then there's uh, padded out length. And I, I, if, if a game's got an open world, Frank, I know you've played some open world games. Of course. 
if a game's got a big open world and I like hanging out there, that's great, you know? I'll hang out in a huge open world of a video game for a long time, like Red Dead Redemption 2. But what well, I, I, want... I think sometimes I make them too long by hanging out, in the, and then it's my fault. I make them bad. That's one thing. I just I want to just be able to get through a game's story in like 10 hours, and then I want it to just have side quests that are like really good. Like The Witcher 3, which you can't get through in 10 hours. You can get through it in like 30 hours, but it's got it's got like 70 hours of side quests in there. That's great. I feel like we never uh, kind of got past that period of time where we had a back of box bullet point of how many hours a thing was. And that was like the, the more hours, the better. You know, we don't have back of boxes so much anymore, but we never got away from the idea of more, uh, more game, greater length equals more value. And yeah. uh, I, I, I don't think that is a correct metric of value in the current era. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate. I've also seen when like pitching to publishers and stuff lately, they've started to ask how long the game is. Uh oh. Yeah, because they don't want to spend a certain amount of money on a game that's under a certain number of hours. And yeah, that makes of, sense. Yeah, part of I it mean, is like sort of how much you know how much how much game are you buying, which is just the classic thing. And another part of it is you know they want to be within a safe window for refund. Like how long before someone is going to play the game, have the full experience, and just take their money back because that's how some digital stores like steam work you can just play it for two hours and if you're like oh, okay i get the idea of this i'm taking my money back and then then you can't recoup on it so yeah. this, what you said makes me wonder is there was there a period at all between the back of the box having the number of megs and the back of the box having the number of hours well i feel like I mean, they don't advertise the the size of a video game of the game's file size <laughs> no uh, they do not anymore and it's maybe it's, it's in the store page. It's like fifty four gigabytes. It was once they got gigabytes. to CDs, I guess. Well, like, yeah, once they got to mm-hmm. CDs and the megs didn't matter, they had to find another number. Yeah. Well, everybody wanted to buy those big, uh, chunky disc cases that had a little label saying three discs on it. Everybody oh, wanted yeah. that. Yeah, we that were just, was the real mind blower. On the old Twitters, there we were figuring out what what game had the most discs or whatever's now because because uh, what what game Flight Simulator? It's coming out on ten DVDs, right? Yeah. That's hilarious. I mean, that's see, sometimes it can come all the way back around to being funny and good, like 10 DVDs. I mean, it's bad, but it's also hilarious. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that that exists. That makes me happy. I would play that. Yeah. I really want to play that flight simulator, man. I want to play Did that you know, game. There is a monthly flight simulator magazine out of the UK. Oh, wow. I really? am subscribed to it. I'm subscribed to it. If you want it, if you want to know what's up with flight sims, the cover, you, you know, what the cover story is this month. What's what? the cover what story? It? Microsoft Flight Simulator. <laughs> oh, that rules. Yeah. So wait, in Microsoft Flight Simulator, can I make a flight from uh from New York LaGuardia to Taiwan in 17 hours? Wow, there's people honking. Can you hear the people honking their horns outside my house? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that rules. That's New York Manhattan, baby. I'm uh, driving next, here. Next week I'll be able to close the windows. Don't worry. I can't they, they, there's a real reason why none of the windows are closed. Let's not get into that. But will I be able to to fly a full flight from New York, LaGuardia to Taiwan? Because that's a 17-hour flight. It's one of the longest flights in the world. I'll bet you can. That sounds like exactly the kind of thing that flight simulator people do. Yeah, that's that's what it's made for. If I do that round trip, that's 34 hours of content. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. That's a lot. That's That's nothing to sneeze at, That's a good game right there. That's nothing. That's that's a decent length for a game. Yeah. Uh, So friend friend of the show. It's not $60 worth, though. Because sixty dollars, that would have to be sixty hours. That's a joke. Uh, Dun- Duncan Rubson was was talking about how he, as a as a youth, went to the 
the game store and got some game. I forget what it was. It wasn't Monkey Island, but it was one of them long adventure games and uh, for the Amiga. And he brought it up to the counter and was expecting them to give him one floppy disk. But they then they had to carefully jam 13 of them in there. And he, he felt like he got away with something and had to <laughs> he like ran out of the store with with all his discs. But then then he had to go through playing that game without a hard drive. He didn't have a hard drive. So like, oh, that sucks. Swapping in. Yeah, that that is the sound of, of him realizing that. <laughs> yeah. No. All right. This next question is for Tim. Tim? Yeah? What the hell is wrong with video games? Really? Um, yeah. Man. Well, I mean, generally, there's just, there's just not really enough new. Okay, so this is something I realized. Uh, there's not enough new ideas in video games. To a point where the most, the hottest game of the moment, have you seen this game Fall Guys? Have you seen yeah. this game? I have okay. played this game Fall Guys. Yeah, wow. See, that's, that's, that's interesting. So Fall Guys, is that a new idea? Not really. However, in this current climate, that feels like the god darn freshest thing in the world, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that makes me feel like I, I saw that game. And again, I'm, I'm a jerk and an idiot. And I'm living in a god darn house with no furniture, with a bunch of a dead person's furniture in it. And I need to, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't have access to my video games, a computer, a TV. I don't have any of this stuff right now. So I'm viewing Fall Guys through the lens of a, of a, of a Twitter browser window, right? So basically, my reaction is less joyful than I suppose other people's, which is, first of all, I see it and I go, I, I acknowledge that it looks masterpiece-ishly fantastic. Though, on the other hand, I look at it and I'm like, man, why aren't there a whole bunch? Why didn't somebody already make this? Mm. That makes me mad, you know? Not mad. Makes me feel like, why didn't somebody already make this? It right? does feel like we're kind of recycling a lot of the same ideas and uh, spiraling in genre-wise where you can call a thing a Souls-like or a Rogue-like or a Rogue Souls-like and 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 have to understand what that means because we're just... I don't know, if, if you remember this time where... Like Japan was really struggling to make their video games be popular anywhere. And so they were just mashing up any bunch of companies together, like Street Fighter and Tekken. And then like Sega and a bunch of other companies did some mashup tactics game. And uh, uh, what, what was that called? Cross Zone? Project, Project Cross Zone? Project, Project Cross Zone. With an, yeah. But it was an X pronounced cross. Yeah. And, and, you know, those are, those are some of the better examples, but it was, it just felt like there, there's gotta be a muso everything, you know, it's like, we've run out of ideas, so we got to slap them together. Yeah. Well, they just kind of stuck with like what was easy to make. And I feel like now uh, there's definitely, we're just talking about games that are too long. There's definitely just a whole lot of a triple A video game. is like a thing, you know, it's like a genre now. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Uh, indie, indie game is basically a game that's, you can be a triple A studio and make an indie game is what I'm saying. You can have $200 million and make a quote unquote indie game because triple A is now a very specific type of experience, which is, uh, it's open world or if not open, it's like big in a certain way, has crafting, has a million optional side quests, has a story that's at like guaranteed to be 30 hours long or whatever. Has a lot of outsourced art assets. Yeah. Tons. Just, you know, it's just crammed with, with stuff made by a thousand or so people. I don't know. As, yeah. like, uh, they stopped making Prince of Persia games and then they started making Assassin's Creed games, right? Right. I think this is a good example. Prince of Persia 1, 2, 3 had like an evolution of game mechanics. And I feel like they stopped, they didn't make a Prince of Persia 
4, I'm talking the new generation Prince of Persia, they didn't make a Prince of Persia 4 because I feel like they wanted to, they knew that they owed the players like a certain degree of, this is a tenuous point, a certain degree of like innovation and, and change. And then they made, I feel like they made Assassin's Creed so that all they have to do is change the superficial details, but give you basically the exact same game. I know some Assassin's Creed fan is going to get mad hearing that. Though it's like they're just exactly the same game with just a, a slightly different story. It feels like it's made on an assembly line. I love those games, whatever. And then now, have you played one of the new Assassin's Creed games, Origins and Odyssey? No. They're just, they're just like, uh, they're just like The Witcher 3, but with some, uh, some, I don't know, some really like Dark Souls-ish combat, but it's all numbers heavy, kind of like Skyrim. It's like very clearly uh, an assembly line assembled video game, which whatever, more power to them. I accidentally sunk 40 or so hours into both of those, and I don't know why, but uh, well, there I it mean, is. Well, I mean, that, that is a that is a big part of this genre you're talking about is that you can accidentally spend spend 40 hours in them comfort food yeah. yeah i mean they had that days okay you see the sony game uh days gone where you're just like a motorcycle guy during a zombie apocalypse oh, right yeah the one that like when they showed it at e3 everyone just kind of laughed yeah yeah uh guy at kotaku uh paul tamayo he should he should be a guest on our podcast someday he he said in a uh video he did that it's like video game stir fry you know and it's like i feel like that's what all of these games are that's what those assassin's creed games are that's what uh that ghost of tsushima game looks like it it's it's a samurai game but it's just a it's a samurai video game you know and then you have it's also it's Mm. it's interesting how like i was i was playing that rise of the tomb raider game and you know tomb raider came came first but then there was uncharted and now uncharted and uh tomb raider are basically like the man one and the woman one of the same kind of video oh, game. But you, you didn't you didn't play shadow of the tomb raider though Not shadow yet. of the tomb raider is a, is an open world one. there's a lot it's Rise more of an assassin's creed. it's more of an assassin's creed starring male nathan drake basically is what i would describe that one as female nathan drake uh, hey brandon well yeah. female nathan drake yeah brandon what the hell is wrong with video games uh well one thing is Uh-oh. like we were talking about triple a games here and, you know, in a past episode, we talked about how that in, in fact is, is like AAA games are sort of gatekeeping in themselves. You need to understand how to use dual analog sticks. You need to know what all the buttons do and be able to access them immediately. And yet they are presented as like the mass media form of video right. games and they're sold at Walmart and whatever. And mm-hmm. so you got you, it requires a fluency in AAA game mechanics, which is just assumed, but not possessed by the majority of humans. Yeah, it's yeah. really weird, right? It'd be like if a blockbuster movie, like, I don't know, if like Avatar required that you read like the comic book spinoffs beforehand or something to understand the lore, or otherwise st- you can't watch the movie. I mean, yeah. isn't that what the Marvel movies are? I was going to say, or if Star Wars required you to have played Fortnite on a specific day to right. understand <laughs> the plot. I mean, I guess yeah, that's I mean, what the Marvel movies well, are, but well, the... No, Marvel, Marvel movies, movies are a bit, they're AAA video games, the movies, basically. Yeah, but they, they also do, like, they don't require you to know the backstory of, of the characters. They, that, they reward you. Yeah. yeah. They reward it's you, yeah. very different than, than a AAA video game. Like, just, mm-hmm. I don't know, name anything. Like you said, like Uncharted or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think you could sit down with uh, Rami Ishmael's mom and teacher, right? But that's not, that, that shouldn't, we shouldn't have to, like, 
in-person teach people how to play a video game and yet that's what these things are that is the equivalent of a summer blockbuster is is something that most people are not fluent in and that's just it's strange uh-huh. yeah, in a way it's like it's like if you had to learn to read to an extent every time before you picked you, up a book you had to if every book in the world was written in a different invented language yes Basically, so like, I mean, if you okay, now you, you say Uncharted. I think un, I recently replayed Uncharted one and two, and The Last of Us one before playing The Last of Us two. Uncharted one is was actually two thousand seven, yeah. quite handholdy, and okay. I think quite friendly. Yeah, and I think you could. There was there was a fight. It starts with a fight, but then the first hour after that is all just enjoy walking through this jungle with no enemies and solving a couple of puzzles during which time you have plenty of time to learn how to use, for example, the right analog stick. Uncharted 2 starts out a little bit more hardcore, but they allow a first-time player to play it. Meanwhile, you get to The Last of Us, and very shortly into The Last of Us, you're expected to be some kind of, like, I don't know, a Splinter Cell esports player. And then you get to The Last of Us 2, and uh, between 2013 and 2020, there was an enormous uh, densification of video game mechanicals and it's like it it expects you to just kind of be i don't know about expects you but it's like decidedly more hardcore and intense at the beginning of the game certainly yeah so it's like clearly triple a video games have uh they've gotten more gamey they used to be more entertainment we used to on on secret forums make fun of games for being too mainstream I recall some people making fun of uh, the first Uncharted, uh, describing it as a baby's game or a game for baby, you know, whereas games now it's like if you're a true game head, you're all about the the AAA stuff and mostly just making fun of the other console for not having the AAA game that your console of choice has. Uh, That's another topic, though. It's like I feel like games have just have become very jargony. And yeah, like you say, they're just... uh, the Last of Us Part Two is out there being shopped around to 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 cinephiles and and art appreciators as like just the game of the moment. When really, if some sort of art gallery goer or or theater uh, aficionado were to persuaded by someone pick up a PlayStation and The Last of Us Part Two, they would be immediately dunked head first in a toilet bowl of jargon. You know. Yeah. It I makes me it. wonder, like, I, I feel this way about mainstream comic books, too. You can't just hand someone a comic book and they'll be like, yeah, I enjoyed that. Like, you, you have to, <laughs> you know, it just doesn't work. Every and, comic someone has recommended me since the 90s has been <laughs> just, I'm dunked in a toilet. I'm swirled in a toilet instantly. <laughs> yeah, I love comics, but I can't just hand someone a comic book and they can just read it. It doesn't work. And, and I feel that way about AAA games. And it kind of makes me wonder if there is going to be like a, a Marvel moment in cinema for video game movies. And that's how these things actually like sustain their brands. It it makes me mm-hmm. wish that the initial promise and premise of the Wii were carried forward. Not, not in a way that like that controller was the solution to the problem, but the, right. the way of thinking about the Wii being like grandma can play this. And then she can, like she can play it. She, she figures out how to do it because it's it's thinking about how people yeah move their bodies or how people relate with the concept of a game in general and play yeah. in general rather than being like okay 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly like that. Frank? Exactly. Yeah, hi. What the hell is wrong with video games? <laughs> I think big part is that uh, they cost so darn much to make that uh, you really can't make a living making them. I mean, it's it's like it's like if being a musician required you to spend two years making an album. Um, and it's like the, the business is just as bad as that. Did you yeah. see that thing that like the CEO of Spotify said the other day? Something I was like just gonna say. musicians oh these days can't make just one record every four years. Like this, this God darn guy who helped create the current environment where your song gets to be hot for like 30 seconds and you've got to make your $20 million in 28 seconds or whatever. Like, yeah. uh, yeah, uh, it's just being like, oh, you can't afford, you can't get away with just one album. Of course you can if you're cool, right? I don't know. That's yeah, all I have it, to say about that. With games, it's it's so hard to make money selling it to at a, any level. Yeah, yeah. Like there's it, no there's no safe game business. Mm-hmm. No, unless you are, are a store <laughs> that right that that is popular already. Like there's there's not a good way to. There's no way to guarantee people will see your game and that they will then buy it. And I'm on a bunch of these like indie developer lists and stuff. And just every other post is someone being like, how do I sell my game? How do I get people to notice it? Discoverability. Discoverability. Or it's people who are like, here's my simple formula that I use to figure out how to, how much my game will sell and how I sell it. And then they launch into this thing, like this, this five year plan of meticulous stuff that they had to do in order to get their game to be popular. And it's like, it's amazing that they did that. But mo- most people cannot follow this plan. Like this is not, it, it it's like, you know, get people onto a mailing list so that you can retain them and then keep sending them things that they will then go to a website and make the website think that it's popular, which will then make the, a YouTuber find the game and, and play it, which will then. Up and its all that SEO stuff's about to fall apart like next month too. Like it's, like, yeah, it's and, always going to change. Right. And, 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 you know, like very recently, the best thing was to get featured on uh, the front of the, the, the steam store. And that's still uh-huh. kind of true, but now like steam is doing more. Uh, they're doing more events different kinds of features more stuff they're spreading it out so that it's less important so that once again it's back to like okay i don't know how you make money and it's i don't know there there are a lot of folks that are mad for example at the the epic game store for giving money to developers or or twitch prime or whoever else is is giving out money to developers to get their games exclusive on that platform for a while but it is literally the only reliable way as a developer to make money right now like you can't I've mm-hmm. never, I have made one game that was profitable, profitable, which is Gunhouse, and it is not profitable because people bought it. It is it is profitable because I managed <laughs> to sell it to enough stores. You got um, that dirty money from the stores, yeah. Like that's that that's, sweet money. It's really the only way for it to happen. But the the kind of weird add on effect of that is that people started to think that the game was popular because they were seeing it on these stores, and so they were like, "Oh, you must have made." good money on this and it's like i i did eventually make enough for it to have sustained itself <clears throat> but it was it was like i described it was one of those constant battles of me just hustling and talking to everybody i knew and being like hey how much can is there any blood that you could squeeze from this stone yeah i mean uh, and it's like you know are those stores profiting from gunhouse it's a really weird situation we're all in right, right. it is it's it's you know it's like take for example sony they gave us a bit of money for 
being in PlayStation Plus. Now, did they profit off of Gunhouse specifically being on there? Probably not. But did they profit a bit off of me hyping up that mm. it was the last of the Vita games that was going to be in PlayStation Plus? And like the, the Vita service is ending. And so I wound up going out and talking about it a lot. Maybe they got money. Maybe they got something out of me doing that. Even if it's not like super positive press, they probably got a lot of, you know, involved like eyeballs on their stuff at that time. I don't know. It's, it's balls on the stuff. Eyeballs, eyeballs. I mean, this is a really (laughs) unfortunate thing to realize, but we are about 90% into a network model for games. And we're, Mm -hmm. we're Mm -hmm. basically just television now. But the weird thing about that is like Apple, they did Apple arcade and, the idea was this this brand new service with all these new kinds of games and stuff. And that's what it was right away. But then they realized that's not that profitable. Um, and what people actually want on mobile is like more Candy Crush. Mm-hmm. And so they wound up like canceling a whole bunch of games that were in progress and shifting their model. And it's, you know, it's not it's not premium games anymore. I, w- I was really worried. OK, the subscription model is going to is going to kill everything. But I, I'm not. Like that's not even totally working. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Uh, this is question number five for those of us keeping track. Tim, yeah, what the hell is wrong with video games? Oh, well, we were just talking about stores. Uh, did you see this Fortnite thing? Did yeah, you all see this. Oh yeah, yeah this the, Fortnite this is, thing. The day we're recording is the day that this yeah. happened. Yeah. Okay. So the thing is, uh, Fortnite started. Uh, they 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 offer players so what it's you buy like some V bucks or whatever inside Fortnite for ten dollars you can buy them as a microtransaction from Apple or for for uh, seven ninety nine you can buy them directly from the Epic Store and they're yeah uh so basically and then Apple did Apple actually delist Fortnite the story is uh, developing did. as we're yes. recording this yeah. they delisted Fortnite and then there was a lawsuit filed by Epic immediately this was all very orchestrated seconds later. And yeah, then, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's all very, very calculated. So these, uh, basically, Epic is, uh, is, is protesting, I guess would be the word, against uh, Apple taking what they're, what I guess Epic is saying they're taking more than their fair share, which is funny because a- Epic is, uh, they're a storefront as well. Now, they don't yeah. take as high a percentage as Steam. That's right, That's they true. take 15 only. Yeah, and then Steam takes 30, and... Uh, I mean, the feeling uh, that I, among everybody I know who has released a game on Steam, uh, I've released a game on Steam, is that Steam really does not really earn their 30%, yeah. unless you're, you're making a, a, a certain number of millions of dollars, at which point you probably want to get rid of that 30% for, for tax purposes. Uh, you're, you're glad of the, uh, the unburdening of it. However, most, for most people, are they really earning 30% for, uh, for my little indie game? I don't know, right? Yeah, it's th- this is something I think about a lot because they they don't do anything for you. Yeah, they, they do nothing. They host they, it. Steam's main ed- thing that it has is that there's a bunch of people on it. It's a bunch of people on that platform, and so that's where they're earning their thirty percent theoretically. But then you've got you know my all the consoles they take thirty percent, and mm-hmm. you know they don't exactly help you either. Like with with Sony, there are so many wild forms you got to fill out and so much work you have to do to put it on the platform and then they take 30 percent of it and it's like i get where the idea is coming from it's like it's their it's their platform they're advertising 
the system. And so you should theoretically benefit from that. But with so many games out these days, that's that's not really enough. And it only becomes worth their 30% if they do some promotion for you, which the mm-hmm. majority of the time they will not or cannot. And their hands are often tied in that regard. And it's just, I don't know, it's a it's a weird thing. They all have their own developer tools you got to use. Like it takes months yeah. to, if you want to port to everything, it takes several months of your time to do all of mm-hmm. that. And if if they were helping you, I would be like, okay, that's what this is for. They're just they linking were... you to a badly translated wiki database with a bunch right. of help files on it. And then, uh, uh, and then just yelling at you for like 200 different reasons when you submit your game and yeah. you just have to trial and error your way through their black box. You wind up, yeah, exactly that. You wind up with like, you submit something and they're like, oh no, actually first you have to disable this thing that says enable. And then you have to like resubmit after that. And then, you know, like spin around a couple of times and then it'll work. And and that's not documented every, anywhere. And you just have to be told that there's somebody who's, who's or you have to uh, work with to tell you that. Yeah. You work with like a QA, an external QA firm who you pay a percentage of your game's revenue. Uh, right. And they, they the people who've been it through it before. Yeah. So, and then you get Sony taking their 30% and it does kind of feel like a fat cat scenario at that point that they're just kind of raking in your money. And I think Epic, uh, by presenting the Epic game store is only taking 15%. Is it 50? It's not 10. Why did, why was I thinking it was 10? I don't know. I can't uh, Google right oh, now. Man. I'm, I'm not but, sure. Uh, I'll look it up to be sure. But they take a tiny, they take a relatively tiny percentage. It almost looked as though they were, uh, they were, they were making a statement with that. I mean, I guess they were. They did literally make a statement when they announced the revenue split. Yeah, and they're then, they're, uh, they're making statements and they want to crush everyone else and then raise it to thirty. It's it's twelve yeah, percent. That's twelve. Twelve. Oh, that yeah. ain't bad. That ain't bad. That has me thinking. So you're saying Sony doesn't do any promotion for you, right? Here's the weird thing: Sony does do promotion for you, but when they do, they pay you like to put you in PlayStation Plus. That's right, promotion. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like it it feels kind of bonkers and upside down, and I think uh, if only Epic can convince everyone to change it to twelve percent, and then you know, then pay, then take thirty percent on Epic. They're they're gonna they're gonna find a way to. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hope they don't crank it up. Like Tim Tim Sweeney's whole deal is like it should be lower, and like the 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 best store for all of that is Itch, where they I think they, they take five percent. Yeah. And, I'm gonna tell you what, if it had been John Carmack instead of Tim Sweeney, they'd be taking zero. Yeah, if, it had been so. the id, if it had been the id store. That's true. Um yeah, <laughs> Let's I mean get the it, id games store. <laughs> itch is great. I wish I wish that itch could be the dominant platform, but they because they don't want to do a bunch of gross stuff, they don't like keep you Takes in the money to do system. gross stuff. Yeah, and, and they just they just give you the game. Takes a money bucket to do a gross thing. Is we'll the, be right back the, after a short break. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go do a gross thing. <laughs> All right, kill me, bro. Welcome back to Insert Credit. Let's get right into it, Frank. Okay. Yeah. What the hell is wrong with video games? Oh boy, I'm glad you asked me that, Alex Jaffe. <laughs> wrong with them? Uh, one one of my biggest problems is that a lot of games are tied to these arbitrary devices. It's not like any other medium where you can access this content anywhere. It's uh, things are sort of tied to these dumb boxes. These, I mean, we talked about the garden of of stores, right? But, but I feel like the hardware itself is, is its own 
walled garden and that it's really strange to expect people to own thousands of dollars worth of devices uh, in order to consume media. What I'm thinking, what I think Frank is trying to say is that uh, he's trying to say that Xbox rules (laughs) (laughs) and PlayStation sucks. That's the point. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, there's also that, too, right? Like, it just creates this weird division of culture uh, when they're all just darn video games. Well, yeah, I had a beautiful TV. I I had a beautiful TV and there was one HDMI port that did the HDR. Right. And it was on the back. Right. And I had to get in there. It's a 65-inch TV. Getting behind it's pretty hard because it's up against the wall. It's right in the middle of the back of the TV, longer than my arm. Every time I wanted to play a PlayStation game or an Xbox game, I'd have to like be like, what console am I going to play for the next couple of weeks? You know? Yeah. I have to be like, oh, I can't. Re- I was going to replay God of War, but uh, I got that Forza Horizon, dude. So I'm just going to play that. That's I'm serious. That sounds like a joke, but there it is. Oh, no. I, I completely understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, don't want to get back there. If you don't, uh, if you don't have that stupid rivalry between platform fans like Sony, the PlayStation is great or the Xbox is great, then the illusion of difference falls apart. And, and oh yeah, you know, like pe- people, people love to have a thing to identify with. And if they if they don't have that, they just see that both of these are differently con- configured PCs. <laughs> yeah, that that like. The, the differences between them are not so significant that you should base your lifestyle around it. But if you don't, then, then yeah, you realize the, the veil is lifted and you see the wizard behind the curtain and uh, people don't like that. That's a stupid wizard. I, I, I think more than that, I mean, let, let's be clear. We, we, Tim and I have talked about this often, like playing on the computer is kind of the best. Mm-hmm. And I play a lot of slightly older games on my computer things like you know i just replayed the the arkham games uh oh and yeah we played deadly premonition and you can revisit these games that came out like 15 20 years ago and they've kind of evolved with you it's like you're playing a uh, uh an hd remaster and like that that's just not possible with i don't know a game that only came out on the ps3 it's always gonna run like it did on the ps3 it's never going to evolve with you and that's like i hate that Although I guess yeah. Microsoft's kind of trying to change that with the uh, Xbox One Series X or or whatever. Um, well, as you know, Xbox rules. <laughs> Xbox it. rules. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. It's Xbox basically Xbox. it's kind of like playing on a PC. Check it out, guys. <laughs> if you ever get a chance, check that Xbox out. Um, I uh, you're talking about games you can only play on a PlayStation Three. I'm over here in my life. I'm trying for the love of God to have a Patreon.com linked to a YouTube.com account. You see where this is going? Where I review video games, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to do some play... I had a PlayStation 3 game in mind. Uh, feel free to speculate in my Twitter DMs, as I know you all will, because people listen to this show. <laughs> uh, feel free... Uh, I have a PlayStation 3 game in mind that only came out on the PlayStation 3 that I would love to do a video about. And it's like, oh, I don't have a PlayStation 3. Yeah, I only have a PlayStation Four Pro, and even and even if you did, you, you'd get that. You'd have to deal with the uh, HDCP protection. You probably couldn't even yeah. capture the the game. Yeah, I would have to capture it at seven twenty thirty or whatever. And I'm like, I want to capture this game at the sixty FPS and the ten eighty. It's not really ten eighty, whatever. So it's like that sucks. Uh, I want my game on. I want that game to just be playable on the PlayStation Four, 
or to be playable on the PlayStation 5. Is it worrying anyone else that we're getting closer and closer to the PlayStation 5 and they've announced nothing about uh, the, uh, the, the enhancement experience? Like, I want to play Final Fantasy VII Remake again. It's not coming out on PC. I know, I'm an idiot. I want to play it again. Uh, it's not coming out on PC until there's no news, but probably next June or so. Is yeah. it going to be 60 FPS on the PlayStation 5? Is it going to work at all? Probably yes, but is, is it going to load enhancement? The, the textures? Because that's what I saw, that it's like it's not even loading the high-res textures. It's not loading some of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's 4K textures that aren't being loaded. Uh, it's like, I, don't, I want to know more of that stuff. I'm scared that they're going to drop the ball on that again. Whereas Xbox will not. I'm going to be playing Flight Simulator in two, uh, 120 frames per second in 4K on my PC, and I'm going to love it. So yeah. whatever. And a, a more <laughs> recent example, a current example, Deadly Premonition 2 just came out only on the Switch because that's who funded them. Mm-hmm. Performance is just abysmal on this game. Yeah, I've seen and the it, GIFs. It's stuck on this stupid toy thing, the Switch. You know, like I, I love I, that stupid I, toy, but yeah, I love the stupid toy too. But you know, <laughs> I also have invested money in hardware that plays games correctly, and it's just I, I hate that I'm stuck again on the on it. Just this game is stuck in this thing. I can Sony run this needs game to better. Merge with Xbox already. That's the conclusion. Sony merge with Xbox. Nintendo merge with Xbox. <laughs> hey, I got a question for you, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. Brandon, what the hell is wrong with video games? Yeah, well, I guess there's a fair number of ways you could answer that question. Are mm. there? Yeah. One thing that we got going on a whole lot right now is that the industry can't deal with women being in it just at all. Oh, yeah. Like just, like, just the va- the vague idea of a woman r- ruins the whole thing. I'll tell a uh, a little story. Um, you know, I've I've written a bunch about this stupid stuff, but um there there I was at a party, a Sony party for gdc and um a dude kept coming up and grabbing my friend like by various body parts trying to get her to come with him to the dance floor or over to have a drink with him or whatever and she didn't know who he was and so i eventually wound up reporting him to the uh to the um what do you call it to the the party organizers and um they got him tossed out and his his reply uh and this this is not a joke his he was he was like outside banging on the glass and he was like, do you know who I came here with? Not even do you know who I am. <laughs> wow. Do you know who I came here with? Do you know the wait, people wait, who wait. know who I am? <laughs> wait, who did, who did, who, do you know who knows who I am? Right. Uh, do you, uh, who, who did he come there with? I, I don't know. I don't know who he came uh, Who do we expect he came there with? Notch? But it wasn't, yeah, it could have been. It wasn't, it wasn't important enough to, to become an incident later. But yeah, like we... Women trying to exist in the video game industry face um, constant, if not harassment, othering, and uh, they yeah. they just can't go do their jobs because they have to. There's this thing that uh, was it was it it wasn't Lisa Hanawalt. It was it was another showrunner of of uh, of one of those animated shows. Maybe it was well, I think it was it was that BoJack Horseman BoJack Horseman show. Anyway, well, BoJack, and there was a male showrunner there who was realizing that. You know, until he got called on it by somebody, he was viewing a woman as like a property of a of a joke or an action. So like someone someone couldn't be throwing up in this show and also a woman because that's two things. Like, oh, God, like a a man is is the general state of 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 something. And then you can make a joke out after that. But if if you have something happening that is like a joke and a woman, then that's that's too. he, he realized that like he had 
internalized this. And I think a lot of us actually have, like if, if you think about writing characters or whatever, and you're starting out, then you're like, okay, what would, what would a woman do? In this yeah. situation, not like what 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 would a person do? What, what is the first <laughs> aspect of this character? Well, woman—that is woman. her trait. Yeah, yeah. Like my my dad, uh, I love my dad, but he 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 was talking about some movie. He loves he loves watching movies, and he was referring to uh, a scene in which the woman did something, and I, and I was like, oh man, that's really un- an unfortunate way of viewing this. But I realized in so many of the the movies like before 2010 there was one woman character who was like the catalyst for change or who everybody wanted or who messed everything up like there was a the woman in a lot of these and it's like a bunch of men do, trying to do their thing and then there's the woman uh, yeah. and i feel like the game industry views women in this way as as like uh we could be doing all this stuff if if not for you damn kids kind of thing or like a woman shows up to a job and suddenly all the single dudes are like pouncing. They're like on the edge of their seat being like, ah, this, this is for me. You know, it just can't be, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going off. I'll let someone else. Yeah. Try. But it's, and it's, you know, it's clear just looking even at the advertising history of video games, like how we got here. This has been a traditionally cishet male space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the idea of inviting women into the space is kind of a new phenomenon. Luckily, it's gotten better. The game developer magazine uh, research surveys, right? The, the yeah. survey showed, I think in like maybe 2006 when I was first starting, it was maybe 11% women. What's it, like 14 now? We're, we're getting better. We're getting, yeah, 20. we're getting there. That's 14%. 20%. I don't actually know what it is now. I assume it's not very much. My upcoming four-hour review of Doom contains a 40-minute segment about this very question. So everybody That's look good. forward to that. Well, and it's like they, they they can't be women, women in the video game industry, like them being public and talking on Twitter. It's like, I don't know how you do that. And yeah, it's wild. You, you know, it's there. I mean, all, and any woman in the games industry who is herself on Twitter is braver than I will ever be. Yeah. I uh, I get a lot of nonsense on my own Twitter. I mean, we, we got a podcast to all dudes. So. <laughs> yeah, we should try to get one of those on this show. That's how brave we are. I was going to say, I get a lot of nonsense on my own Twitter, a, a shrill, shrieking avalanche of it. However, I also happened to work in an office with a couple of, a couple of girls with uh, a fraction of my Twitter followers who experienced uh, kind of an avalanche's worth, uh, multiples more of the nonsense that I experienced. And I thought, that's interesting. I wonder why that is. I think that's why that is. That's why. I see. Oh, All yeah. Right. I do have a follow-up question for you, Tim. All right, what? What the hell is wrong with video games? Well, I'm going to tell you what. In a manner of speaking, basically, video games are different from movies. Movies, you sit down and you watch them, and they just kind of kind of happen. Uh, whereas a video game requires a person's uh, constant babysitting, right? A yeah. Constant input. In other words, video games rely on people to play them, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I think that makes those people feel way more important sometimes than they actually are you see what i mean yes right. yes they have an ownership of it because I'm, I'm saying sometimes it. sometimes those people feel like they're the best when really they just kind of suck a lot of them <laughs> are not cool have you experienced this i've experienced it gamers who aren't cool uh no never <laughs> <laughs> I, I you know to kind of tie in the last two topics i wrote an article about how we should retire the word gamer because 
it has a sort of inherent pushing of people into toxicity because mm-hmm. it, it it like pushes them into this box and and like the idea of a gamer like people who play games that's all well and good but but the gamer idea is is inherently kind of toxic and some people were mad at me but then yeah after that lee alexander wrote something about the death of the gamer and she got death threats and just like yeah. constant yeah it's so wild that people took that so the wrong way because you know there's people have been talking about such and such sort of name uh being dead for the death of the author for example mm-hmm. we've been talking about this stuff for a very long time oh yeah some some philosophers would agree that the the briefer your self summary the more you feel the need to conform to everyone else who uh. shares that right so if you're a gamer uh, there's a word i try not to say if you're a gamer you uh you want to be as much like every other gamer as possible. If you identify with a single two syllable five letter word, you uh you're gonna just be prone to wanting to feel not special, special from people who do not share that word, and then together with the people who do. And yeah. I think that just kind of in this day and age of uh nonsense prevailing over information at literally every turn out there in the world, it's more nonsense. We don't even talk about signal versus noise anymore. We know it's all noise, you yeah, know? Yeah, just sifting through it. I feel like this just this just pronates a video game associating person with the uh, 100% just diving in and being a, uh, just being all about the games. I just wanted to say one thing about it, which is like in, in the past, we used to identify ourselves by what we do, like I'm a carpenter or I'm a teacher or whatever. We get a lot of last names that way, yeah. Yes, indeed. And then, you know, since the 2000s plus, we've started identifying ourselves by what we like a lot more. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. think that that, that's like a harder thing to defend. And so people defend Mm. it more fiercely and less logically than than they might have otherwise. And I I, I think I sort of agree with you, but I don't think I, I think it's just it's fandom. Right. Like fandom has been around since, I don't yeah. know, like the 30s. Right. Like early, early, like sci fi kids. Sure. Mozart fans, they had Bible fandom. I, I don't think it's actually any different. It's just that the Internet exists now. So they're they're mm-hmm. they're able to 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 join their tribes and, and grow. Yeah, they can. grow up. And, and I, I just the older I get, the more I think that there is a different kind of lizard like brain that just is tribal that that I think people like us don't quite comprehend and, and can't get behind and I, I think that's what a gamer is they just need an identity mm-hmm. they need a set of rules in order to exist and if you ever question that then they they uh they they get frustrated and explode and and uh are, are mean to women well i think in high school or middle school we might have understood that a lot better you know like we yeah. when we're establishing who we are as people we are trying to figure out what those boundaries are and and so it's like some people grow up and out of that and learn from it and other people do not and those are the people that need to figure it out yeah and they're not yeah. going to is the thing is like that's the other conclusion i come to the older i get is that people who are like this they don't they don't change because the entire point is that they're against change they want to find the rules and stick to them another good right yeah right. I, I i have a lot more to say about this myself and i may have said it elsewhere in an upcoming video that will be released on my youtube channel though uh i i think uh one thing that I keep seeing now is the console fanboys. Have you seen these guys? Mm. Have, you, have you clicked on a Twitter thread that's like uh, <laughs> uh, Sony? Like Sony uh, releases a screenshot of 
Miles Morales Spider-Man for the PlayStation 5. And it's like the the comments underneath this tweet go from like cool to horrific racist insults in like one tweet, you yeah. know? It's just so weird. It's like, man, who cares? I understand you might only have again, I've been making video games and 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 critiquing video games professionally for half my goddamn life at this point. And I, I realize that I'm divorced from the idea of having to pay for all my stuff. Like, I need to have all the consoles for my job. So I understand that some people only need to buy, they can only afford to buy one of the consoles or whatever. And I understand that a lot of it comes from that. But I feel like they could chill out in their their weird attitude defending their, their preferred corporate product. Not just a little bit, but like a lot. I feel like they could chill out a lot. Uh, a lot. That's oh, a one thing to say to all this. Raider Nation, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Brandon? Uh, yeah. I have a question for you. What you might got? know what it is, but uh, here Uh-oh. it is. What the hell is wrong with video games? I guess, yeah. Uh, one thing that I've been thinking about lately is what I've been kind of calling the, the toxic genius problem. Mm-hmm. This is a problem that you get in companies where there's somebody who is problematic. And you know that they're problematic and they cause mm-hmm. problems for other people, but they're responsible for a pillar of the goddamn video game. Right. And so everyone from the top on down is like, ah, oh, well, we can't get rid of him. I mean, I would say them, but l- let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> the likelihood that, uh, not being a heterosexual male is, is slim. There's a company that I have worked with. I'm only not saying the name of the person and the company because they're still embroiled in this and need to deal with it. Say but, it in uh, the Discord chat. I'm yeah, just maybe kidding. I you don't have to. <laughs> um, there's, there's, a, there's a company that has a, a person in it who is responsible for a lot of their technology, and this person is, is a huge problem. And uh, I have known this for a long time. It's been oh, I know who this clear. is. I know who this yeah. is. Yeah. It's been, it's been pretty clear to me, and I've been I don't complaining know about it, it. But they're like, uh, yeah, well, you know, this, who else is going to do this stuff? But the, like when you put someone in that position, they're in the position to gatekeep everything. They can decide what features they want to put into the game. They can define the company culture. Like, say you want a, a lower level person to take on r- more responsibility. If you try to give them more responsibility and someone above them is in the position to just shoot down their idea with no question or just never implement it or treat them dismissively because they're a woman or because they don't agree with them or whatever nobody's going to be able to step up and take responsibility. And everyone, the company culture winds up being tiptoe around this special person because even though they're a big problem, they're very smart and they can do these things that we don't know how to do. Um, and it, like we had this problem within Necrosoft in the past. And once we, got, once we got rid of him, we, uh, we had Michael Kerwin rebuild the entire video game of Gunsport in a month, <laughs> you know? Like all of this mm-hmm. hemming and hawing that I did about, ah, but w- this person is a problem. We should get rid of them. But, you know, it's they're responsible for making this video game happen. It was only a month. That's all I lost out of that. Yeah. I'm going to so, tell you one thing. Anybody listening to this, here's something. It took me 35 years to learn of my life is that there's r- really nothing is really that hard. Basically, nothing yeah. is really that hard. Like I, agree. I could go into more detail about that later, but who I don't know who needs to hear this right now. If I were on Twitter, that's how I would be saying it. So nothing's <laughs> really that hard. 
Yeah, so everything's the, just work. Like, how much work yeah, can you put in? It's all work. Uh, you can figure and this sometimes out. It's, sometimes for the, for the really impressive stuff, usually that's just a lot of work. Yeah. That's just a lot. Anyone in this room all. could learn to program an entire game. We, yeah. we could all engineer a game. It's just work. And I'm going to tell you what. I know I could. I just yeah. don't want to. Yeah. We need to get past the idea of like a person being indispensable if they are a problem for the company. Like ultimately the well-being of the whole should be greater of greater yeah. importance than mm-hmm. than than letting so, one person get away with whatever they want. It's actually funny, Brandon, that you bring Michael Kerwin into this as your particular anecdotal solution to a quote unquote toxic genius. I don't know if Kerwin is listening to this show. I, I assume he's not because he's uh, he's I think he's too cool to listen to a podcast. He's probably shredding a guitar or something. Whatever whatever it is, Michael Kerwin does in his uh, in his free time. He's an he's an enigma. It's fun that you mention him as the solution to your toxic genius problem because I've always so subconsciously have I always thought of Michael Kerwin as the exact opposite of a toxic genius. That oh not, yeah, right that. The literal name of our upcoming video game on the title screen, and Kerwin sort of knows this. Uh, we've joked about it. Uh, me and Brent Porter uh, have joked about it in front of him. However, I'm not sure if he knows that it literally is the name of the game is literally Michael Kerwin's Truck Heck. His name is literally above the words Truck Heck, and I think that's. Uh, I mean, it has to have a guy's has to have a guy's name on it because it's we're pitching it as sort of like a. Not to reveal too much about the game, though. I want it to have sort of a vintage Sega Genesis like sports game feel to its uh, user experience. So that's why having a guy's name on the box is really good. So, so like there David you go. David Crane's Amazing Tennis, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, David a Crane's real... Amazing Tennis. That that's that is the touchstone for it. Is that one right there? So yeah. So real quick, <laughs> the, the this topic we're talking about the the sort of toxic genius problem. It is a problem in the workplace, but does this tend to affect video games in a way that people outside of a development environment uh, see. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. Like you, I feel like you wind up with a worse product as a result, because if any situation where ideas are getting squashed at the behest of someone who's weird, (laughs) who is like not who doesn't who has their own interests more at heart than than the games or the groups. Yeah. And then you you just wind up with a worse product and some I've definitely seen games out there where where like fans are speculating, why did this happen? Why didn't they just do this? It's and usually because like, somebody the, couldn't chill. Yeah, I know the answer it's to that question, why. and I know what his name is. <laughs> right. this, so, just, this just makes me think about like how many studios spun off of uh, working for Ken Levine and then going off to do their own storytelling games, and right. is there a oh, connection yeah. there? <laughs> right. Oh my right. god! Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I want to say. I just want to say uh, is that. <laughs> You're going to go ahead and let me let finish him, let my him sentence talk. here. Let him yeah. talk. Uh, uh, any right. sentence begun before the buzzer is has a right to be completed. New rule. You can finish I, your I sentence. I don't agree to that rule. What? But go ahead. You don't, you don't what? Wait, what did you say? I said I don't agree to that rule. Well, you know what? You're going to agree with that rule or I quit. Fair so, enough. There you go. Oh, okay. Tim's right. talk to genius. Tim's talk to genius. There it is. That's the god darn ultimatum. He's talk. doing it. Okay. Oh, you know what I'm going to say is that anecdotally, Every person I've ever heard who worked with Hideo Kojima, they just, they love that guy. I've never heard anybody say Kojima sucks. Isn't that I weird? Have. You have? I have. Oh, weird. Okay, we can talk yeah. about that later, but I, I don't know. There you go. That's, that's all I've, 
I mean, this it's news to me, but of course, I don't talk to everybody in the world. But those, so. those people worked in a Konami business development area, so. Oh, well, those people mm. uh, get owned. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so actually, I have a question that uh, has been burning a hole in my mind that I'd like to ask, if that's <laughs> a okay. Question. A question. Yeah, a, a question. A little it's, unconventional, but. Yeah, what I is know. that? What uh, is the that? question is, what the hell is wrong with video games? <laughs> oh, Wow, so much, but I think a lack of diversity of people in just about any discipline uh, in or even around video games uh, is a huge problem. I think that while it's gotten better since uh, the ye old days of uh, of it all just uh, being from a white male perspective, it hasn't gotten a lot better. Yeah, I I yeah. don't know. This is a is a, it's a weird thing to admit, but. You know, when when I was working on the GDC stuff and doing like the the career seminar, for example, uh, there was a time where I I don't know it's hard it's it's hard to know how to phrase this, but I I would have to try to kind of scour the industry to find mm-hmm. people of color to be uh, on panels or give talks and stuff. And part of that was indeed there was a dearth of people, and another part of that was uh, I must say laziness on the part of all of us for just not looking hard enough and not really because there are there have always been uh, a diversity of people just smaller and less listened to and not put in the front of game companies so you couldn't just google a bunch of game titles and and have like a, a a producer that you could identify and be like this person should be giving a talk yeah i don't know and our our very own podcast here is not especially yeah. diverse Indeed. Um, yeah. Oh, I noticed that once or twice. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that's because we kind of come from the old school as part of that, right? I mean, insert credit. I mean, let's face it, was not diverse when it started and, and certainly wasn't when it was uh, more of a text-based uh, website as opposed to uh, an audio show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's weird to like, I mean... It, well, it to, be, almost... to be fair, when, uh, when, when Brandon uh, uh, ran an article by me, he had no idea who I was. I could have been somebody else. There was no, there was no, uh, no active discrimination occurring. I would like we, to point we, out. We were a little better in the early days when it it was like me, Tim, and Vince, and uh, this guy Josh Shea, who wound up becoming a extreme fundamentalist Christian, and requested that all of his work be taken down from the website. <laughs> wow, well, that's wild. Yeah. Wait, was Josh Shea anti-Christian? Um, I guess his thinking was that video games in general were kind of the devil's playground. And so they were like a Harry Potter level of magicalness. Yeah, or... exactly. His, his, oh, his I, I reporting it, on the joy something in, in the Shanghai show. That's really huge. What do you call that? Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. Piece. Yeah. I'm talking about he did the first uh, English language reporting on that show. Um, but that's gone now. Anyway. I yeah, kind of feel like most of the stuff we talked about could be traced back to there being a lack of diversity in the video mm-hmm. game industry. That could be it. Yeah, it could be the golden key. It's the true. magic puzzle piece. I mean, it it seems to me, you know, that the, the lack of different perspectives and different ideas is what leads to, well, for example, we talked about uh, in the previous question, toxicity uh, in mm-hmm. games. Yeah. It's a, certainly because of a lack Man. of diversity. You know what the biggest toxicity that I was ever able to palpate during my time at Kotaku, a website that is a virtual toxicity magnet. I think you think you know toxicity. Try working for 
uh, that website. Uh, let me tell you, first of all, love Kotaku. Shame what happened to it. The biggest toxicity I was able to see was uh, every once in a while, Gita Jackson would would do a report whenever like a new Overwatch anything was announced. And she very playfully would ask very frequently, why aren't there any black women characters in Overwatch? And wow, uh, never were there worse comments uh, on my videos than in the six or seven weeks following her mentioning that in one of her articles. Uh, that's wild that the, the, the people were hecka toxic about just the, the very idea of character representation in a video game. Which a already character is. in a game where you can select from <laughs> tons of different characters. That's, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah, like, it, why not have one of them in there? It's like, why the not? Is there like, not a woman of color in Overwatch? There's not a black woman in Overwatch. Got it. Okay. So that's the, uh, that's like the, the, the gray area there. There's a, there are several people of many different nationalities and <laughs> ethnicities and types and genders. There's just doesn't happen to be a black woman. You got a color. That's good enough. Yeah, basically, that's uh, that's what the 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 the, the psychotic comments from dudes who, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> they have this idea of forced diversity as though if if in an ideal world everyone would be white in every video game except mm-hmm. for these people that have an agenda to force it to be otherwise. Like, oh uh, man, it, it, their their reasoning is so often it doesn't matter what color. Uh, or gender a video game <laughs> character is why do you want there to be a black woman and it's like well why not uh why do you want it to be a white man then if it doesn't matter and also if it's it doesn't if it flawed. doesn't matter then why are you talking about this right now yeah like, exactly you should be like cool yeah black woman i don't care yeah uh did you all see that that ubisoft uh that former ubisoft employee thread about assassin's creed from yeah. a couple weeks back where yeah. where she was like we tried to say that the character should be a female character and uh they insisted that uh, females don't sell, and uh, what was it? Uh, oh man! And there's like it has to be a dude character. Girls yeah, don't like, sell, and then they 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 made it so that the girl is a selectable character. And yeah, that originally all... she was the default. Yeah, and then they added a dude at some dude's uh, uh, insistence. They just they they shoehorned a dude character in there. Who uh, I don't know. I I chose the girl character in that game. Whatever. Yeah, that sort of stuff's wild. I mean that's that's not even diversity. That's uh that's just uh We're still know. talking about toxicity. Yeah, yeah it's toxicity I mean, and diversity. Getting more people at the table to ha- to be a part of the conversation and listened to is definitely the like that's that's the thing that you need if you want to avoid all of this nonsense. I mean, frankly, it's common sense. If these games started out with, you know, d- top-down direction from the kind of people that were being put into the video games, then who who could complain about it? Like, if that was the way that the video game started, the way it was birthed into the world, even those haters couldn't be like, this is forced diversity or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's a whole situation. Yeah, not that we should strategize about what would make the people who are going to scream no matter what stop screaming, but yes, like, the, it, like it, there wouldn't even yeah. be an excuse to say anything. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not trying to say this is what we should do to play. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, of course. Okay, let's go on to our final question before the lightning round. What can we ourselves and our listeners do to make games better? Mm. Wow. Well, I think that as uh, as game developers, we can definitely try to diversify more. And if we cannot 
diversify because sometimes in a small team, you know, you kind of got who you got. You can uh, at least pay other people for their insights and uh, listen to them. That's something we can do as game developers that is pretty good. I mean, we <laughs> here's a here's a small little anecdote from from Gunsport. We have a scene set in Cambodia. There's a there's a Cambodian stage, and uh, mm-hmm. so we had to get someone on the on the horn to give us some correct Khmer script and text, like to actually be some some script on the in the game world. But I wound up also um, asking her about the names of the characters and whether these things that they said made sense and how they dress is that fine and. And hilariously, like through this process, I learned how many things I would have done completely incorrectly. Like I would have had their names in the wrong orders because similar to Japan, they do last name first. I also, it's it's a husband and wife team that I have in the game. And in Cambodia, the, the wife does not take the husband's last name. So they, they wouldn't have had the same last name unless they were in the same family. And like, wow. just just all this extremely basic, if you know it, stuff that I absolutely didn't know because I didn't know enough stuff. And if I hadn't paid a person to tell me about it, it would have all been wrong and I would have looked like an idiot and I would have looked like I didn't give a crap. And so I think that's something we can do is just like give a crap and pay someone to look at our stuff that knows about what we're trying to communicate. Like we can't just assume, especially as cishet white dudes that (laughs) that we understand every experience and can just put it out and have it be right. Mm -hmm. I mean, kind of, Kind of on the same note, this is general advice for life. Just question everything. Just assume that you that you don't know anything because honestly, you don't. Um, and just be curious. Uh, and and that curious will lead you to kind of what you're talking about here, Brandon. Right? Which is like, I'm not going to assume that I know uh, how this stuff works in Cambodia. I'm going to be curious. And I'm going to ask, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to implement that stuff correctly. Um, that's just it's it's going to make the world a better place in general if all of us just kind of maybe stop assuming that we know stuff when uh, we kind of don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you know something, you know that you know it. When you, when you don't know it, maybe you don't, maybe you feel like you don't. Um, uh, maybe I don't feel like I know anything. So that's the end of the story. Listening to other people is cool. That's a good one. Mm. Yeah. Check it out sometime. Yeah. <laughs> Actually wanting to like learn is, is a thing that most people stop doing at, I don't know, maybe 21. Yeah. Yeah. And, there's uh, yeah. interesting stuff out there. Just like, Big learn about world. other people learn about other stuff it's it's the most interesting video game you can play big old <laughs> weird old sweaty world read a book I, watch some movies yeah watch some good ones yeah that's not even work you know subscribe just like, to the criterion channel yeah there you go and just kind of watch some of those <laughs> yeah. i mean seriously everybody should and it might There's be a, a gateway for people to kind of like you know there are all these folks out there that intrinsically they hear Black Lives Matter, and they're like, but what about other lives? And they don't understand that the point of that is not that other lives don't matter. It's that some lives are being treated as lesser than. Mm-hmm. And like, just just being able to listen to that instead of react to it is going to get you a lot further. Oh, another... I mean, yeah, that's a simple phrase that does not exclude anything. It's, it doesn't exclude guys. anything. No. <laughs> uh. And there, there's a tr- there's a car that I pass on the way to the office in basically Berkeley uh, that has a sign on the back of the car that says black and blue lives matter. It's like, well, oh, do we need no. to list every kind of life? Like, when I'm, when I'm hungry for pizza, I talk about how much I like pizza. I don't talk about, about how much burgers? I 
I'm not saying, yeah, ah, come on, everybody. I, I hate to yeah. get down to the kindergarten level of describing this, but apparently, according to some of my Twitter DMs, I might have to at some point soon or get killed by somebody. Oh, God. So, uh, so there's that. Uh, what did he do? He said he liked pizza. And another thing I think we need to do is to learn to admit when we're wrong. Mm. I know that a lot of us... No. Uh, Caucasian <laughs> males have been raised to know for certain that our voice is always important and that we've got to like and not, you, my you, mom constantly told me I was going to die on the street <laughs> she told me that someday fun. I'm going to try meth and then I'm going to be dead on the street a week later she literally told me that when I was 14 years old but anyway like uh, you, get these, you get these people my... that, that are like <laughs> I was, I was going to vote progressive but then you were mean to me when i said something racist and so now oh, i'm gonna God, yeah. Trump or whatever they go all in they go all in on it don't they yeah i've and seen it's it like, happen wow. just learn it's like you can be wrong i think that's what back. happened to my i think that's what happened to my brother's wife okay one more time let's try to end this on a positive note here's our lightning round name 10 right. ways in the last few years that video games have gotten better battle royale uh, baby I'm not yeah. even kidding. It's yeah. the dumbest thing that every goddamn kid wanted forever. On the ways, the days of the Super Nintendo, I remember having this nebulous kernel of an idea of Battle Royale in there. It has encouraged so much weird playfulness in even the big AAA video games like Call of Duty. Their Battle Royale mode's hilarious. Uh, it's great. Yeah. Not uh, even here's kidding. One. You, can, you can now choose an art aesthetic for your video game. Like, that's something... You can choose to do pixel art. You can choose to do low poly. You can choose to do triple A high res. You can choose to use photographs or whatever. You can actually make an aesthetic choice these days, and people you can will own be like, "Whatever you want." I get it. See what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One that I like is that, despite there being no money in this industry at all, uh, in terms of uh, journalism specifically. Video game journalism is kind of a real thing now, and it wasn't for a really long time. Um, it's better than ever. There are actual investigative reports on important issues. There are mm -hmm. people of color in video game journalism in the United States, which is, like, very new. You know? yeah. um, so it's gotten a lot better. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. True. That's three. You know what else is good? A good thing? The goddamn Nintendo Switch. <laughs> I like that Nintendo Switch. I feel like, I don't know. There, have you seen how many trash games there are in the Nintendo Switch uh, oh, oh, yeah, shop? Yeah. I want to I want to yeah. buy so many of those $2 games. Maybe I'm an <laughs> idiot. I bought a bunch of them, and I play them for like 10 minutes, and I'm like, heck yeah, $2. Not even kidding. Yeah. I love um, that stuff. As, as bad as all this stuff coming out about women getting harassed in various companies is the fact that they're more able to come forward and talk about it and mm -hmm. some stuff is actually getting done about it is good like we're definitely not there yet but we are we're making progress we're in the scenario where we we might be able to see how we might be able to get there eventually <laughs> so that's pretty good so um this also has a bit of a downside but um video game development despite being nearly impossible is a lot less impossible now that we have all these tools yeah. um you know even though 
you can kind of tell when a game's an Unreal Engine game. It's like the fact that we can all develop games in the sort of common tool language, even though maybe you're not, uh, it's not as powerful as, as the old days when you're you're straight up coding in C or whatever, is uh, allowing a lot more game ideas to actually come out and a lot more voices to enter the industry without uh, having to uh, spend a really, really long time learning a, a trade skill. Yeah, yeah, Unity was huge. I remember seeing Unity back in 2010. After having yeah. worked in Unreal for a couple of years, I was like, what is this? People can just use it? Wow. All right, four more. The, uh, uh, God damn it, what was I going to say? I lost it. No, it was it was a good one. I promise. Well, and... <laughs> um, it, sort it of play, playing, to, playing to my character here, I guess. Um, we're finally at a point where uh, uh, older content is able to be uh, resold a lot more frequently than it used to be. And a lot of that is, uh, I think, the... The sort of advent of the quote-unquote HD remaster, I think companies are actually like maybe not losing their source code anymore. So that's kind of a positive that like we're not forgetting the past as frequently as we used to. That reminded really me cool. of what I was going to say, which is that Yay! emulation is really good now, not only of of software but also of hardware with uh, yeah. FPGA chips. Um, although. I hope eventually you'll be able to buy one without having to like camp across five devices to get an analog pocket or whatever. But um, the uh, the democratization of emulation and of, of software and hardware is, is is very good for the future of video games and preserving the past of it. Yeah, the the Mister Project is, is something you can buy. It just takes work, and like that has been one of the biggest leaps in in in, in that sort of stuff that. That's ever that's like ever happens it's like meme right two more Tim, two come on more. what do you got oh hey what's up <laughs> <How you doing? laughs> sorry i'm one of my 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 earbud that i was using died and uh now i need i needed to switch to another one um, Tim, uh, welcome to my show you already said the switch tim <laughs> oh yeah lmao uh what has happened in video games uh i got one ssd drives kind of a simple thing but Man, oh, that, those, yeah, those, those that fast load screens loading. are are going away, and I love it. Well, probably with the PlayStation Five, they'll finally have gone away. You know what game loads real fast on my computer that I feel like it should not load fast at all? Is all of them? It's well, that Red Dead Redemption Two I played on my regular Xbox. It loads in like it takes like ninety seconds on the Xbox, and takes like three on my PC. That's yeah. another thing that's gotten actually good. You know what's gotten good in video games in the last ten years? is there have been a lot of games with really, really good dialogue writing. Mm. I feel like there was oh, yeah. never really good dialogue until, like, Red Dead Redemption 1, I feel like, was the first game that had dialogue that I thought was, like, actually good. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just no, me. No, I'll take that. I got yeah, like, an 11th. I got an okay. 11th One more is, under the wire. Yeah, which is uh, grants. In most countries, in Europe, for example, um, and... Uh, Canada and a whole bunch of other places you can get grants to make video games with which means mm -hmm. you can make games that don't have to sell or that can tackle unconventional subjects or can be really different and that opens up games the making of games to a lot of people that might not otherwise have been able to do it of course in the United States we have Patreon <laughs> which is <laughs> right uh -huh. Yeah, it is, it is what it is in the United States we'll never get grants but uh you know for, at least for somebody it's good yeah, it'd be nice. We should look into having like a, a culture department or something. Might be cool. <laughs> Someday. Um, I think we already covered recommendations in our 10th question. Just open your minds, listen, get a Criterion channel, read some books. Yeah. Uh, but I've got a few more of my own. 
Uh, I'd recommend that you leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get podcasts, because that really helps out the show. You could tell a friend about it directly and get them to listen to our crucial opinions in episodes such as this one. Uh, I'd recommend you go to patreon.com slash insert credit, where you can become a monthly donor to submit your own questions or themes or get episodes a day early and even access to exclusive outtakes. You can follow us on Twitter. This show is at insert credit. I'm at Alex Jaffe. Frank is at Frank Safaldi. Brandon is at Necrosofty. Tim is at 108. Mm-hmm. This show is edited by Brain Blown Blaine Brown with music Whoa. by Hurt and Kurt Feldman. Nice. I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Frank Safaldi, and I don't have a good Mad Magazine name. I wish I did. <laughs> uh, I'm Tim Rogers. I'm Brandon Sheffield. And your game has now been saved. Oh, yeah! I've been wanting to introduce Blaine Brown as brain-blown Blaine Brown for a while now, and I'm just going to embrace it.